viewers, opinions expressed by callers, guests, and hosts do not necessarily reflect those of the Black Talk Radio Network and Black Talk Media Project. Black Talk Radio is new black media for the new millennium. Conversation reparations, conversation reparations, conversation reparations. I am your host, Brother Jamoka Ifetayo, of this um, twice a month podcast on the Black Talk Radio Network on behalf of the COBRA, the National Coalition of Blacks for Reparations in America. And we are very, very excited to still got the music playing. We're very excited to bring this. <clears throat> powerful show to you for you today, uh, very profound show information that we're going to disseminate today. So hold on to your seat because it's going to be a strong show today. Um, as in the tradition that we've been doing because uh, when we started this show two years ago and then and we kind of had a little hiatus and we came back on. And one of the things that we realized that it was so much more has been happening on a um, daily, weekly, monthly basis in the reparation movement. So we thought in addition to the in-depth one-hour show that we give you just a few of the snippets of highlights of some of the uh, uh, news and things that are happening in the reparation movement, so just to let you know that there's so much going on in the reparation movement right now. So the first weekend of November, you had a series of events that happened. Um, there, was a, there was a national reparation summit that was held in Atlanta and online. And the purpose of this summit is to create a national, they actually have the first draft of a declaration, the National Reparations Declaration. This was actually their second meeting, convening, um, annual convening. So they're, they're continuing to add to this National Reparations Declaration, and um, we've been supportive of that process. Um, another event that happened also is the Black is Back Coalition um, for Social Justice, Peace, and Reparations 
has their annual uh, march on the White House the same weekend on November 6th, as well as a conference on November 7th. Also, on November, also that same weekend, you had the Urban Summit, which is uh, sponsored by the, the Urban League of Kansas City. And the discussion this year really shifted to reparations, where they've often looked at the disparities in the community and the problems in uh, for black Kansas City. And, um, but this time, they looked at those same issues, but this time through the lens of reparation being the uh, solution. So those are just some of the events that's been going on. Uh, last week was a whole week dedicated to pushing H.R. 40. We had one day where the Japanese community supported the reparations movement, another day where um, European-American allies supported the reparations movement. And so, again, again, we really work to give you this information, but also in these um, bullet-sized uh, uh, highlights, but also to come back later on and do a full interview. We have an interview set up with the Japanese community uh, in early December. We also have an interview set up with the um, activists from Kansas City. So that's why I'm kind of like planting the seeds now so you can look forward to those upcoming shows. Oh, brother, Jamo. We have a little video clip from the um, Urban Summit. Yes. Yeah, before we play that video clip, um, you announcing, you know, the upcoming shows, but I don't know if you heard the news, but Beto O'Rourke has announced his candidacy for the governor of Texas. And if I'm not mistaken, he has actually spoken to uh, in Cobra. I think at the youth summit, was that early this year or last year that he, he came out, you know, publicly in support of reparations? That is correct. Yeah. So I, I think it yeah. might be. And nice he did speak at the and he did on. speak at the Encoba Youth Summit as well. You're correct. Yeah. So you want me to go ahead and play this clip? Yes, sir. All right. This is a clip titled "Reparative Justice Dominates Conversation at 2021 Urban Summit, Kansas City." Of change makers met today yeah. to find ways to raise up the black community in Kansas City. The group made a new case for reparations. ASHB 41 News reporter Charlie King Keegan brings us this solutions from today's summit. The summit, which took place at Metropolitan Community College here behind me, took a hard and sometimes uncomfortable look at data to help guide grassroots groups and elected leaders on how to improve the state of black Kansas City. And things that we really truly have not traveled that far. From health to the economy, a new study shows outcomes for blacks in Kansas City lag behind whites. Our economic outcomes are only at 62% of being whole. Recent diversity and Inclusion and equity pushes are great initiatives, but Gwen Grant and others at this urban summit said those measures alone cannot close this gap. The answer lies in reparations. For blacks to arrive to achieve socioeconomic parity with whites, it would take 228 years if we don't do something extraordinarily different. Reparations could include direct payments to or tax breaks for descendants of slaves down payment assistance for blacks, business grants specific for black entrepreneurs, new schools, and improved voting rights. Chairman of this summit, Ajamu Webster, says five generations of his family did not pass down wealth because laws prevented it. 
the process getting started has to start with the discussion, the data, and then programs and initiatives and governance, government support. It might sound like a big task, but this group is undeterred. Judges, prosecutors, city councilors, anti-crime advocates, pastors, and chancellors were some of the change makers in this room. Dr. King talked about the arc of history is long, but it bends towards justice. And so this is maybe a long arc, but we know where it will bend. It will bend towards justice. If some of this sounds a little radical to you at home, well, Dr. Vernon Howard, a pastor who spoke at this summit, says it kind of has to be to realize true change here in Kansas City. I'm Charlie Keegan, KSHB 41 News. All right. So, yeah, we, um, so now we will shift and we're going to bring this very special show today on the eve of a very important event tomorrow. Um, and this is the fact that COBRA is leasing, releasing the harm report or the harm to, excuse me, the harm is to our genes. I say that again, the harm is to our genes. This is a special report that was commissioned by COBRA. It's gonna change the whole conversation around health in our community and um, as well as connected up with reparations. So we are happy to have on the call now um, Sister McKimber, who is the female co-chair of the COBRA Health Commission, as well as Brother Onaji Mori, who is the male co-chair of the COBRA Health Commission. And I don't think I've had you all on the show, and if I did, it was probably some time ago. So if you would, um, let's start with you, Sister McKimber, just to give a little background of yourself and how you came to be involved with the Health Commission of Incobra. Oh, certainly. Um, just so people know, I also go by the name Lisa Davis, and um, I'm a longtime community activist out of New Jersey um, in the Newark area. I'm from East Orange, and um, I began to see the necessity as I became more involved in the um, in the black liberation struggle. And as I began to encounter racism and police brutality and all of those other very ugly aspects of this society, um, I began to see that centering my life and focusing my life around health was very important. I mean, um, you know, and I, and I felt that there was not, as much attention being paid or the kind of attention that needed to be paid to health and especially in the movement the way it should have been. And there were so many things that I've learned along this journey that really challenged the prevailing, um, the prevailing paradigms around what health is and what health care even is. So, and as I just began to live my life and to and to become more involved in the Black liberation struggle, and and as I encountered various issues throughout, you know, my journey, I began to see that the necessity of of the issues pertaining to health and this movement converging, that it was a necessity that that happened, and I became, I made health activism, and advo- I made health advocacy a part of my activism. And you mentioned the Black is Back Coalition. Mm-hmm. I happen to also be the vice chair of the Black is Back Coalition for Social Justice, Peace, and Reparations, and I'm on its health care working group. And I've also worked quite a bit with the People's Organization for Progress, which is where I met Brother Onaji mm-hmm. Mawid, although I don't remember the exact point w- when I met him, but 
we've met each other throughout the years in terms of our um our um liberation struggle and then a couple of years ago I was in uh, New York um at the International African Arts Festival and Brother Najima we, we 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 connected with each other again and he mentioned to me uh the health commission for in Cobra and he thought that I would be very good to work on it and I was like yes I couldn't turn that down. So that's sort of the long and short of where I am right now. All right. Uh and then um, just to give me an assignment, I was thinking about that's another group that I need to interview, the people like the POP, People's Organization for Progress. And also, uh, I know that you had a very um, personal encounter recently with health. I don't know if you would like to share or not the situation and how it impacted you. Are you directing that question to me? Yes. Oh well, I don't mind sharing at all. Um, my brother, early this year, my youngest brother, um, unexpectedly, his life was taken out by the by the, by the hospital. It was St. Barnabas Hospital. Um, although he was not diagnosed with COVID, I'm not sure whether he had it or not, but I believe that it was this COVID environment that contributed to his death and to the decisions that were made. And um, the, the, the doctor at the hospital insisted upon uh, putting him on a, on a ventilator. I was completely unprepared for that. I, I, I couldn't understand why. We, weren't, we were only in the hospital for about two hours. And I remember I said to the doctor, I said to her, because I remembered hearing that if a person is experiencing respiratory distress, that the worst position for them to be laying on is on their back, that they should be laying in a prone position. And I remembered I said to the doctor, I said, can't you turn him over on his side? To which she snapped at me in a very condescending fashion. She said to me, I'm practicing medicine here. And I looked at her and said, well, I'm talking about medicine too. As she said that to me as if she thought I thought I was in McDonald's or something and had ordered, ordered a burger. And with that mentality, mm. She just turned around because my brother at that point under duress said okay for them to do it, and I didn't have anything to counter it with. I didn't have any other suggestions. I didn't know about these other things. I was completely taken aback by this. And so um, I stepped out the room, and the next thing I know, I hear two curdling screams from my brother, and he was gone. And the only thing I could think at that moment was, I have to turn this pain into power. But even before this happened with my brother, I was I had already developed quite a few harsh opinions, to say the least, about what they call medical care in this country. This allopathic system is, um, mm-hmm. well, first of all, it, it has a, a history. It has a history that is as ruthless as its police counterpart. They, the same system birthed them, the same system that birthed what is the, the, the concept of what they call modern-day policing birthed the medical profession. And it has its roots in the oppression of African people and people around the world and using us for experimentation. These are just the facts about this system. And we have to have a way to navigate through it. We should not have to adopt this system at the risk of understanding our own African tradition, no healing, 
modalities. So I was all, I was really advocating for that even before this happened to my brother, but this is just another one of many straws on my back that, or, or that has broken the camel's back. And as a result of that, I did learn about other non-invasive, more humane uh, approaches to people who are having respiratory distress, but all they ever push down our communities, or I should say especially down our communities, are ventilators. There are things such as high-flow-nasal cannulas and helmet ventilators that they could use, that they could offer as a more humane uh, alternative that doesn't cause damage to the body. Wow. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, I know you probably don't like to necessarily revisit that. You know, we send you love and light and just in honor of your your brother's transition to the world of the ancestors. And I appreciate your asking. It means a lot to me. Sure. And we appreciate you bringing your your energy and your health advocacy to Encobra. And um, the work that we're doing to heal our people on a, on a massive scale. And Brother Onaji Moeed, uh, yes, sir. Why don't thank you, you give us uh, thank you for for joining? And um, yeah, and, and you know, I, I know you've worked with Incubra and took a little sabbatical and then came back to us, and and, and we're glad to have you. Uh, on board as well and making the contributions that you can. So I want you also tell us a little bit of your bio and, and you've been, like I said, connected to Cobra before and reconnected with us now. Uh, thank you so much for the invitation and I'd like to acknowledge my truly capable and passionate uh, co-chair, uh, Lisa Davis. She's an incredible human being, revolutionary who Every you know, every week I just gained that much more respect for her because of her her discipline and her dedication to our people and I'm so happy to be on the same uh serving as a co chair of hers and also on the show. So I you know, as as you were asking the question I was just um really uh not just reminiscing but um giving praise and honor to Queen Mother Moore. Mm-hmm. I met her uh, when I was a member of the East organization in Brooklyn, New York, that um, had a Pan-African community and um, had an organization called the East. And mm-hmm. uh, there I met her and um, had the privilege of driving her around to different places at, at different times because I had access to a car. And uh, I remember her saying this word, reparations, and, and it, you know, for those of you who knew her, uh, she said, yep, that's a reparations problem. That's a reparations issue right there. She said everything is connected to reparations. <laughs> and and mm-hmm. I didn't really know what it meant. You know, I really didn't know. Um, but after um, talking to her more and, and talking to more people, um, it started to, like, say, oh, that's what this is. And then I would have to say um, the second iteration, the second uh Understanding that reparations came from uh, one of my teachers, the late ancestor uh, Irvin Davis, who was the mm-hmm. he was the uh, co-founder of the Patrice Lumumba Coalition uh, with Ilambi mm-hmm. Brad. People remember Ilambi because he died 
you know, he had a few more years on the planet. But actually, they were mm-hmm. they were co-founders and co-leaders of Patrice Lumumba Coalition. He was also Irvin Davis was the executive director of the Pan African Skills Project. And it was through Irvin that I met Dorothy Lewis. Dorothy Lewis. So you uh, did the Pan. Wait, wait. I'm sorry. Pan African Skills Project. Yeah. Yes. Which which Irvin which, Davis, which was, Davis like was executive director. Hmm. Which was like uh, uh, African um, um, uh, African American New African um, uh, Peace Corps, so to speak. Providing um, yeah, services to African. Indeed. Irvin Davis uh, recruited um, engineers, scientists, mathematicians, and he uh, took them to Africa, uh, Tanzania, I think Nigeria, um, and was very, very heavily involved with the, with the liberation struggles in Africa. But it was, in fact, Irvin wow. has been credited as being the, uh, the person to, had, who had uh, modernized the Garvey, Garvey's program by actually taking people back, particularly on a tip of uh, a technological tip. But, I, you know, since I'm on that thread of thought, um, <laughs> it would be a derelict of me not to mention the name of ancestor Neville Parker. Neville Parker delivered the Pan-African, uh, he delivered the scientific uh, presentation at Sixpack, the Sixth Pan-African Congress in Tanzania, and mm-hmm. wound up moving to Tanzania and teaching in the, in the School of Civil Engineering and contributing to their national policy on transportation. Uh, Neville died about, about a month ago. I'll send you some information on him that you'd want to do a show on him. Why? Because Neville Parker is to Pan Africanism and Africa technologically as climbing Torre is to Africa and Pan Africanism politically. Why? Because they both mm-hmm. are, are sons of, of um, Trinidad, both studied here in the United States, both repatriated back to Africa, and both have led a legacy that no other person matches in the field in the line of work that they did. So just on the question of, of, of the whole technological uh, input to Africa, and then, of course, I would not leave out uh, Clarence Harris, Majani, and Rifu, who was also my teacher. I uh, met him through um, the East and Yehudu Sasta as well. Out of Philadelphia, in this, as life unfolds, uh, I live in Lansdowne, Pennsylvania, which, and he lived in Lansdowne, Pennsylvania. So... Um, to show you how roads cross. So it was Nkichi uh, Tiafa who actually introduced me to Nkoba. Um, she knew I had been doing um, international work with ICWAM, International Human Rights Association for American Minorities, and invited me to um, work with Nkoba. Um, I was the chair of the Peoplehood Committee for the Litigation uh, Suit, and um, Worked on that for a while. And then when I went to Durban, South Africa in 2001, um, I started to say, wait a minute, how, how deep is the pain? How deep is the hurt? Like, what is the hurt? And that's when I started to study trauma. I went back to school, uh, acquired a master's degree in, um, in social work, and then went on to uh, get a doctor's degree in social work, always for the purpose of understanding, not just understanding what the trauma is, but what the healing is, what what must be the healing? So one aspect that um, I've come to see to be very 
useful is a clinical technique that's called um, psychodrama. So my dissertation was on Wahimi Misu Healing Well, multifamily intervention, which is a collective way of healing our people in a safe, strength-based environment. So um, didn't really leave in Cobra. I just was on sabbatical, you know, kept, uh, yeah. gaining information. Yeah, well, that's how I say sabbatical. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. So, yes. I, you know, formally I know. The reason I, I got the, excited uh, when you said, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, for, and, you know, I would have to say that uh, I also was the, the past male co-chair of Cobra's um, International Commission as well. Mm-hmm. And, and currently, and being a lifetime member for, I don't know, 20 years, something like that. I don't know. Yeah, so that's a little bit of history and, and connection of, mm-hmm. of the people who have given me this indication and, you, or, and this orientation, uh, Queen Mother Moore, Irving yeah. Davis, um, and Dorothy Lewis. Yes, yeah. I, I remember um, Queen Mother Dorothy used to talk about Irving Davis. Um, but actually, I got excited. The reason I, when I asked you about Pan African skills and, and and was that my father I know was associated with the formation of that and was a part of that Hope James. I had to get with him and figure out what role he played. But I know I remember seeing that on his resume. One of the things that he um, worked um, with. You said your your father. Yeah. Yes, oh, excuse my father. Excuse me, uh, Jamoke, yeah. I do believe we might have Cam on the line. Um oh, seemed okay. like I recognized that number, 773. Uh, you want me to check? Let's, sure. Let's, let's check in. Uh, area code 773, uh, do we have Cam Howard on the line? Yay, Bo. All right. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> Yeah, um... Yes, so yeah, my um father, Holbert James, he I know he um so I go back and talk to him about Irving Davis and Neville Parker and these people. But um I, I, I remember stuff it stood out when you said it and I remember him working um, on that. Um but anyway, um yeah, so I um yeah, so I'm glad we have Cam because I wanted uh, Cam to uh, national male co-chair of Incobra, visionary. That's that we got to get some more information and bring the report together. And we're going to use this to advance reparations, advance the of our people, thought leader in the reparations movement, um, to give us the context for this report. Um, it's kind of like in the opening of the report, but I you you should start by giving us the context of what you know how this report came to be and uh how we came to learn about transgenerational epigenetics so welcome cam uh let's take a break right here actually we're we're at the break time and on the other side of the break we'll bring you in cam thank you tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. Okay, conversation reparations, conversation reparations. 
We're uh, sponsored by Encobra, host Brother Jamoke Fitaya. We've just um, her sister uh, Lisa Davis, Kimba, kind of share how she's come into the world of uh, health advocacy and, and found her path into Encobra, as well as Brother Onajibui gave her uh, his historical uh, background of how he came into um, do this work around Encobra and health and trauma. And so we are already halfway into the show, so you just got your intro camp. <laughs> So let's have you kind of give us the context of this report and, and why we're here today. Discuss. Hey, Brother Jamoke. Thank you. I'm bringing to your other guest, Brother Najee Mouid and Sister Lisa Davis, uh, fabulous national co-chairs, uh, fabulous co-chairs, I should say, of our health commission. And we have these two leaders in and cover at the right time because, you know, we're releasing a major historical report and their leadership is totally on point as we begin to release this report. But not, so, not just their leadership, but they brought together a powerful team on the Health Commission. So we're about to unleash and cover into a new, a new era of activism around reparations, particularly by leading with this health uh, report. So this health report is entitled The Harmless to Our Gene, Transgenerational Epigenetic Inheritance and Systemic Racism. And we had been talking about transgenerational epigenetics for about seven or eight years. Uh, I was introduced to the term by uh, a brother, a medical doctor in Chicago. Around that time, first time I've ever heard of the term, and he uh, sent me his research uh, letting me know that he was working on a theory to overcome the ruling by Judge Norville in his 2005 ruling against uh, reparations uh, for people back in with, with the with the lawsuit that was consolidated in Chicago. Well, the numbers, maybe about three or four lawsuits that were consolidated, but they were all targeting corporations for mm-hmm. their complicity in the harms against our ancestors, joint enslavement, post-enslavement, et cetera. And um, the judge threw that lawsuit out, uh, didn't even weigh the merits. Uh, he, he ruled that procedurally we couldn't bring the case. One, the statute of limitations ran out. Uh, two, and more importantly, that we didn't have standing to sue. And he stated we didn't have standing because we were too far removed from the actual injury. And in tort law in this country, you have to be the actual injured party to bring suit, or you have to be closely related. Like you can bring suit on something happens to your parents. If your parents are not able to sue for themselves, or if something happened to your children, your children are not able, not able to sue for themselves, or siblings. Uh, that's called a close relationship. And in some cases, you can also sue for your grandparents or your grandchild. But beyond that second level, it's generally considered you're too far removed from the actual injury. So that's what the judge ruled. None of us alive today were injured by those corporations during enslavement and after enslavement. So Dr. Nalbe, as a medical doctor, 
looked at it different. He's not a lawyer, but he's a medical doctor. He saw from his research that we actually are the ones who are injured. We have, we're not far removed at all from the injury if you understand that historical trauma, which is trauma that happens to an entire people at a cultural level, that it, it, it's, a, it's a harm to the entire culture of the people, that that historical trauma can be passed down and is passed down generationally, and we just don't know how far, how many generations. Generally, when it's, when it's called generational, they're talking about mother and child. When it's called intergenerational, what well, intergenerational is mother to child, multi-generation is mother to child, grandchild, and transgenerational means more than those um, three levels. And so what we're the science is saying today is that the historical trauma that we've experienced has the potential to have been passed down five, six, seven generations. We don't know, but one thing we do know is the trauma never stops. For instance, with the Jewish community, the Holocaust at the conclusion of the war was the conclusion of the historical trauma. I mean, that's the thing that went on after that, but primarily when the war ended, uh, that was the end point of that particular atrocity that was, put, that was placed upon them. And yet we know that the grandchildren from Holocaust survivors still have, have physical effects from their grandparents' trauma. And those physical effects is to their epigenome. So there's not only the historical trauma psychologically uh, passed down, but physically it's been passed down. So without trauma, there's never been no end point. There was a start point in 1619, and there was no stop point. So we know for, for a fact that there is epigenome damage. And so we commissioned uh, John Hopkins, the uh, uh, McKinney-Kigagria Center, uh, Dr. Joan Kaufman, to create, do a literature review of the sciences out there and compile that in a report that we could use to further our case for reparations as well as uh, healing uh, resources for our community. So that's pretty much how we came into the, to, to, the, to the issue of transgenerational epigenetics by Dr. Kenneth Nave attempting to uh, counter the legal challenge that we had for reparations. Right. And, um, and then also you made the link between that and um, the disparity in blacks or new Africans transitioning from uh, COVID. Yeah, so from the time he introduced that uh, information to us, we began teaching it, we began testing the theory, we began challenging corporations, uh, in particular uh, hospitals. We challenged Rush University Hospital, telling them, hey, this science is there, we know it exists in Jews, you know, and now we want resources to do studies, to uh, create a center for transgenerational epigenetic research so we can have a center that's doing its research. But we were not able to uh, continue with that process. We were not able to, uh, to maintain that effort 
lot of things were going on. We just didn't have the capacity to maintain an effort. So we kind of sat on the shelf for a few years. Uh, we were always talking about it, always talking about it. But when COVID hit, we mm-hmm. saw the first disparities in death in 2019 um, linked to or uh, being more so in blacks than it was anyone else. Blacks were becoming, you know, although Hispanics were were uh, contracting COVID at a higher rate, blacks were dying at a higher rate. And the first thing that was said is was possibly had three existing illnesses. And so my my connection or logical conclusion was, yes, we have these three existing illnesses, but these three existing illnesses is a result of historical trauma and the transgenerational epigenetic inheritance that causes us to prematurely age. It causes us to have a weaker immune system. It causes us, uh, our immune systems actually turn on us in, in instances when it should be supporting us. And so all these things it, it, that we are experiencing health-wise, we say it has an underlying uh, cause of the historical trauma that we've experienced in this country. And so we are able to uh, really highlight the issue of transgenerational epigenetics and doing a period of COVID that we hadn't been able to do before, but still we were just speaking amongst ourselves. And so in order for, you know, this to get out, uh, we did uh, a few webinars. We did, you know, uh, some uh, interviews on radios and began talking about this. And from those conversations, it led to us reaching out to the black institutions to do some, to actually do a literature review that we could use. And subsequently, we uh, were connected with uh, the Kennedy Career Institute, particularly uh, Joan Kaufman, who was a doctor there at the Institute. And from that, we got the report done, and now we're about to release it. It's a major historical event. All right, all right. So I've been reviewing this thing, and I see we got five main outcomes. Um, who would like to kind of share about what are we, how we're using this document, who sees how it's going to benefit in COBRA and the movement for reparations? So. Um, uh, Onaji or Lisa, you're prepared to speak on the outcomes? Oh, oh, oh certainly. One of the things that I want to um, emphasize, because the report has um, three components, the introduction, then the actual um, the actual medical research that was done in terms mm-hmm. of uh, showing uh, that there that epi- that trauma can be epigenetically inherited, and it shows how it it, it speaks to various uh, case studies that they were able to do in animal models, but also how they were also able to still show that there was um, epigenetic uh, harm even in human models. So, um, and then we also have um, the postscript, and it was very important for us to make sure because this is an INCOBRA report, although we did um, hire Kennedy, uh, Kennedy Krieger to, to do the research, this is an INCOBRA report, and it was very important for us to make sure that it had the INCOBRA perspective from this report. And so toward that end, we also 
thought it was very important to create a postscript. And in that postscript, we get into, although it's not very long, but we do get into uh, in terms of the role that the medical profession has played in the perpetuation Mm -hmm. of much of the harm and the perpetuation of of racism and and justifying it and basically giving it scientific legs. That's not insignificant at all. But even just as importantly, we talk about the need, the necessity to decolonize healthcare. We challenge the paradigm that this current Western um, medical paradigm is based upon, which is based upon the, 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 the belief that, Eurocentric science, Eurocentric theories are superior. It doesn't even acknowledge. It doesn't even acknowledge um, other cultures or their contributions, although it takes from them mightily. The pharmaceutical industry was basically born out of the um, – the, 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 the natural medicines of, of the world in you know, various oppressed uh, communities such as Africa. So we felt it was very important to talk about that, to say we have to have agency over our own bodies, and we have a, an outstanding history that supports that. So we felt it was very important to elevate um, traditional African medicine as well, not to necessarily say that people should no longer use uh, the, the Western medical paradigm, but we have to elevate this. We have to, we have to shape the conversation. We have to shift it. We have to broaden it. We have to open it up because the current narrative that we have does not serve us well. And just as we're talking about uh, COVID, um, the African continent has the best statistics in the world, although any number of deaths, any amount of death is too many, but that it does. And that many of us, or many of us at least in the, um, in the medical profession, don't really look at that in the way that we should. So I just wanted to bring up that. So that's one of the things that we're definitely calling for, decolonizing health, the concept of health in this country, and also um, taking an Afrocentric approach, elevating that, bringing an Afrocentric approach to the fore. We as black people have the right to say, we want to use our traditional medicines. Case closed. You have the right to say that. So that's and actually, uh, I'd like to add yeah. to that. Um, just, just in terms of background, the report is broken down into seven, about seven sections. The first section provides a concise mm-hmm overview of historical trauma experienced by people of African descent. And uh, the second is to uh, discuss key structures in the society, in the American society that perpetrated cycles of uh, disadvantage and certainly of harm. Uh, The third section is uh, a section where they start to look at the data and the links between uh, adversity and, and trauma. Uh, and, of course, the, the problems inherent in the medical um, field and how we were used, we were experimented on, right? Uh, the fourth section looks at um, the field of epigenetics and the concept of transgenerational epigenetic inheritance. And, of course, this is the heart of the report in that we're, we're able to now link social conditions to uh, physical realities, particularly around health disparity. And this is important because now all the, the, um, the narratives, the stories, the, or, the oral 
um, stories that we've been passing down, oral history, now we have a science that confirms what we knew all along. This is not new information for us. We knew it. We just didn't have the scientific language to put it in, put it in context, but we have it now. Uh, the fifth section uh, reviews the state of our research on transgenerational trauma inheritance. Uh, the sixth looks on, continues to look at how do we uh, mitigate the effects, right? And of course, this is, we're not only talking about the problem, we need to understand the solution. So we look at some things that we can do in terms of changing our lifestyles, but also we know that uh, it's not just a question of what one does individually, and the concept we use in the field of public health is social determinants of health. That is, where do you live? That has to do with the environment, right? Racism and uh, uh, environmental racism in terms of the toxins that's in the air, right? Um, it has to do with political. There's a, uh, a paper out of um, University of, of uh, Maryland where he talks about, yes, we have to understand individual determinants of health. Yes, we have to understand social determinants of health, but we also need to understand empowerment determinants of health. How do people begin to move themselves politically so that they can gain the power to change their lives? And the seventh section is a section where we're dealing uh, with office starts to look at policy practice and research um, that could uh, attend to this question. Uh, Cam did a, a fine job, and you talked about those five um, areas. Yeah, Cam did a very good job in the uh, introduction report. I'm going to ask Cam to go ahead and talk about those five areas. Well, actually, Lisa talked about one of them, the colonization of health. <laughs> mm -hmm. One of the five. Mm -hmm. But yeah, thank so, yeah, you, thank you for um, sharing that, brother. I'm sorry to hear you. I'm going to jump in Yeah, go for it. So Anaja yeah. is absolutely right. You know, we knew, and that's the whole thing. We knew all along that these, you know, we were we were challenged from the history that our ancestors experienced. But you know, to have uh, Western science and their own so-called scientists come out and say it is, is major. And that's really what this report is. It's utilizing their own uh, researchers, their own science to prove uh, that the injury is real and the injury is one that uh, necessitates uh, repair. Because what it is saying is if there is not intervention, that preceding generations are going to inherit the trauma of the past right. as well as the ongoing trauma that we're experiencing. And so that's what's mm -hmm. particularly important about this report. Also, you talked, you asked about the five outcomes. And, and Sister uh, Lisa went over the last one but, uh, fantastically and powerful, mm -hmm. and that was to decolonize health. But the first one is that we want to have this issue of transgeneration epigenetics included in every conversation on health disparities in this country. All around the country, they're talking about health disparities of blacks and others. They have these new centers of health disparities developing new departments and universities and medical schools all over the country on health disparities are being funded. But none of them began with, that, with the fact that historical trauma is at the foundation of the health disparities, in addition to 
underfunded and, and other types of apartheid-like uh, uh, actions. But at the foundation of the health disparities is the historical trauma that we experienced and how it affects us on epigenetic levels. So we want that included in every conversation, which, again, would necessitate reparations because if the, if the, if the injury exists and we know it will continue, unless there's some type of mitigation, the only logical and just response is reparations. So inclusion, number one. Number two is we want resources. Again, the resources is for the repair. Number three is research. We need specific research in our community by our doctors for our healing, for our health. So it's, it's, it's medical food for us, by us, uh, uh, and in this case, with us. And so that's resource, research is number three. Number four is awareness. Our people need to be made aware, and, it, and that requires a massive awareness, public, public relations campaign, to make our people aware that there's some things that we can do to fend off bad health later in life. Because what the science is saying, at some point we're going to we, we got, we're, we're, we're going to be harmed, and uh, we may be harmed, or we are harmed. You know, there's some things that we can do uh, that that, it, that will ensure that uh, the effects are not pat not that they don't not only that they not happen to us, but that we're not passing them down continually to our progeny. And so those are the five. Uh, outcomes that we require, we desire out of this report. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, I, I was thinking about what Onaji has said about the, the, the determinants of health and how, you know, you have phys, physiological but also even your, your environment and everything. And I had, I remember hearing, I don't know, I to maybe go back and research this, but I remember hearing that there was a report that was done where they tested the stress level of people of uh, African descent in the United States, African Americans in the United States, and and it tested the stress level of, of continental Africans, and it was much less or lower than um, that of of us African Americans here. Yet, when continental Africans moved to the United States, they said within one year, they were saying they had the same stress level as we had, right? So. That sounds important. So you, you hit on a very important point, beloved. Uh, yeah, the, that, that study had to do with uh, the stress levels in, in our women. And when you look at the rate of uh, infant mortality amongst people of African descent in the United States, it's in most cases two times, twice the rate of that compared to uh, the white counterpart. And actually African women coming here to the United States started to experience the same level of infant mortality as well as the same level of maternal mortality. And that's really where we have to start. We have to start with having healthy babies first. And the only way that that can happen is that we have to uh, be able to uh, demand uh, the execution of human rights. There's something called special measures in the international Convention for the Elimination of Racial Discrimination. And in that uh, section, they say that it's not illegal or it's not against 
human rights to say you're going to repair people who've been traditionally uh, disadvantaged. So we write back to what Malcolm X says, that, that it's not a civil rights struggle, it's a human rights struggle. We're right back to uh, we charge genocide by uh, Patterson and 51 and Du Bois and, and, and Paul Robeson because that's what we're saying. It was Dr. Martin Luther King who said that of all the human rights abuses, health inequities is the greatest. So we at the Health Commission are, are carrying forward the same arguments that our ancestors have presented over 50 years ago. Yeah. And we're also on the 70th anniversary of the We, we Charge Genocide, which I think was in December um, coming up. We'll be at the 70th anniversary of that um, historical document. Well, we are coming up short on time now, so um, who would like to share about the upcoming um, press conferences that are happening tomorrow and later this week? as we begin to bring the show to a close. Oh, uh, yeah, let's, Cam, Cam has organized uh, two press conferences, uh, one in D.C. and one in Chicago. So, Cam, if you can uh, fill, fill us in on that, that will be appreciated. Uh, sure, I can do that. So, yeah, we the two press conferences, one is the national release and the other one is the Chicago local release. And the release on Washington will be tomorrow um, – at uh, 1.30 p.m. Eastern, uh, 12.30 p.m. Central. Uh, we have a Zoom link. You can go on COBOonline.org uh, and uh, live stream that, as well as uh, Facebook, National Cobra on Facebook, and you also will be able to uh, view the press conference in D.C. Uh, Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee, Congressman Danny Davis, uh, the esteemed author Haki Matabuti, I uh, will read an excerpt from one of his uh, poems and reparations. Uh, our brother Onaje Marie will be there closing us out. The author of the report, Joan Kaufman, will be at the press conference along with uh, Dr. Kenneth Nave, who again introduced Nkova to the, to the term transgenerational genetics about eight years ago. Uh, also, I, I think that's rounding out um, the D.C. lineup. And in Chicago, we have a similar lineup, but it will be of local uh, state, state elected officials as well as uh, city officials in Chicago. Uh, the author, Joan Kaufman, will be in Chicago as well as Dr. Nave, who lives in, in Chicago, will be at that press conference. And that will be on Thursday at 1 o'clock Central, 2 o'clock Eastern. And, again, that also will be live stream of uh, the national in Cobra at Facebook or in CobraOnline.org on our website. So um, we look to have you know, everyone who's, who saw the report uh, is looking, you know, is is just going to be a, a great uh, historic unveiling of, you know, this new science to our people. All right. Yes, in Cobra, making our story, as we like to call it, making our story. Um, did you, you said that was Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time? Yeah, 2 Eastern, 1 Central, yeah. Okay, yeah. All right, so we got a few minutes left. Why don't we um, 
as um, Sister McKimber, she has, or Sister Lisa Davis, she has a few words you want to say in closing, and then we'll go to Najee and close out with Brother King. Uh, yes, I just want to say that I'm I'm just very, very proud to be working with Cobra at this time and on this project, and especially on such an important project in which we really have the chance to broaden the discussion and to change and alter the discussion pertaining to health and how um, we relate in this society. And I just want to re- read real quickly um, uh, just a quote from Self-Healing Power and Therapy, Old Teachings from Africa by Brother Kim Bawandendendi Kia Bunsaki Fukiao. And it says right here, right, the African therapist believes that therapy is essentially grounded in both flesh and spirit. Healing wounds of the flesh is only half healing. Furthermore, healing spiritual wounds, restoring individual smile and laughter, social ties and trust in the individual, self-confidence, and the normal flow of one's energy is the whole healing. And this even begins before uh, conception in terms of making sure that we are healthy and whole and, and spiritually and, 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 you know, physically connected. This society doesn't promote that at all. In this society, we have the opposite. And, and, and it, it shows in our genes. I see. All right. Thank you, Sister Lisa. That's a very uh, profound quote. Dr. Fukiao. All right. Brother Oh Yes. If we look at the work of uh, Van Boven's work on on reparations, he says, you know, reparations package has to deal with compensation, restitution, rehabilitation, as well as monitoring, right? So the Health Commission looks at rehabilitation because we know that uh, if we were to get individual uh, sums of uh, awards, um, that money will be returned to uh, those who have raped us and pillaged us for all these years. So we're talking about the full rehabilitation of our people. And we know that uh, we have to heal ourselves, but we need, we need the means, right? If you, if you want to live, you have to have food. To have food, you have to have land. Uh, we have to have our own agriculture to to feed us in such a way that that's consistent with our genetic makeup. So we're talking about the full reparations, the full repair of our people through re- rehabilitation. That's right. Thank you, Brother Naji. All right, and you get the last word, Brother Kim. <laughs> well, thank you, Brother. I just want to again uh, just send praise on our health commissioners, uh, co-chairs, uh, Brother Nazi and Sister Lisa. Uh, the work that is, is headed their way is going to be phenomenal, so we're looking for them to do uh, a lot more great work in helping us get, in helping us get this release out. Um, I just want to drive everybody to our website, go to encobaonline.org. Uh, the report will be there tomorrow. Uh, and make sure that you send this report to everyone you know in uh, public health, public policy, in medicine, in healing, community healing, any type of healing that uh, is necessary in our community. You know, make sure that that those healers get this report uh, because that's the way that we're going to utilize it to push for repair, that the more people know about it and aware of of it, the the stronger our demand uh, becomes. 
So go to our website, clubonline.org. There will be a tab for the harm report, which is a short name for it. Click on that tab. You'll find the report. You'll find uh, educational type of uh, 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 documents that will help you understand it and help you be able to talk about it, as well as uh, contact information for myself, Sister Lisa, and Brother Naje. And join the Health Commission to help us do this work. So leave it with that. All right. Thank you, um, Brother Kim, National Mail Coach of Cobra, and uh, Visionary. We give thanks for the work of the Health Commission of Cobra. Again, the national press conference is tomorrow at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can go to our website, cobraonline.org and find out more about how to tune into the press conference. The press conference in Chicago will be Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Again, our website is in Cobra Online. You've been listening to Conversation Reparations. We talk about the report that will be released to the world tomorrow. The harm is to our genes. Wait, let me do the actual, the full name of the report here. And I'd like to thank my guests as I'm pulling this down. The harm is to our genes, transgenerational epigenetic inheritance, and systemic racism in the United States. And um, we look forward to continue to evolve the conversation in our community. Again, my name is Jamoke Fitayo, the host of this podcast, Conversation Reparations. We thank the Black Talk Radio Network and Brother Scotty who engineered the show for us. And um, you can get in touch with me at reparationsj at gmail.com. And, again, go to our website, encobraonline.org. Thank you so much. You're welcome.